What up, Ortandians? This is your girl, Ortandia, and you are tuning in to the number one podcast in the land, in the nation, in the city, in the state, in the stratosphere, in the hemisphere, in the world, the house of Ortandia. What up? What's up? What y'all been up to? What y'all doing? How your mama doing? How your great auntie doing? How your third cousin twice removed? How your credit score doing? How your bank account doing? Baby, how you doing? How you doing, man? Let's check in. Check in with me. I'm, I'm, I care for real. I'm, I'm not just talking. I really do care. How are you mentally? You know, I'm doing good, you know, for someone, for, you know, y- y'all know, I, you know, I have some mental health challenges, so some days are better than others. But on today, when I'm recording for you all, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I had a great day today, man. I, Philadelphia is having some interesting weather here in May, the month of May. It's been chilly, not not cold, you know, but a little had a, has a little bite in the air. You you might need like a little long sleeve. And I've been in Philadelphia for a minute, and I've never had wore a long sleeve in May. I had on a denim jacket today, which was crazy, and I needed it, you know. And so, man, the what the the things are changing rapidly, changing. How you guys doing though? How are you doing? I'm more interested in hearing from you. <laughs> so leave me a comment, man. Leave me a note. Leave me a review. I want to know how I'm doing. How you, you know, what am I talking about? Anything that's relevant to you? Am I entertaining you? Am I informing you? Am I inspiring you? All that good stuff. Okay. But without further ado, we're going to talk about a couple of things on this episode. We're going to talk about some documentaries and a movie that I've watched. We're going to talk about environmental justice. And then at the end, I'm going to hit you in the head with a money minute for my new listeners. That's a new segment where I give you 60 seconds of a business idea or a way to make money um, um, on the side. All right. So without further ado, let's get into it. So the first movie, the first documentary I want to talk to you about is called Giving Voice. It is a documentary on Netflix. These, all of these are on Netflix, by the way, the two documentaries and the movie that I'm going to talk about. They're all on Netflix. And so Giving Voice is a documentary um, about these seven kids that are competing to do a monologue by August Wilson. August Wilson is the writer of Fences. If you saw that movie a few years ago with Viola Viola Davis and Denzel Washington, the writer of that is uh, his name is August Wilson. And so these kids, these are inner city kids, inner city black kids. I think it's one Hispanic young man. And they are competing to be able to perform his this monologue on Broadway. And so it's so you get to see their backstory. You get to see like how they live. You know, you get to see the challenges that they have trying even trying to get to some of these competitions because, you know, it's like it, it'll, I think it started out in like L.A. Then they go to Chicago. They go to like all these different states to narrow it down to so many kids and then ultimately they end up in New York. It's and then there's only one kid that won. And the kid that I was rooting for did not win. Um, but shout out to the young man that did win. I'm not gonna spoil it for you, but go check it out. It is so interest it's so interesting. And the and these guys are brilliant. They're like 16, 17, 18. They are brilliant actors. They are brilliant orator, orators, orator, y'all know, or, uh, whatever that is, however you say that word. <laughs> They're really, really brilliant. And you can tell they've been doing this for a long time. And they're, you know, even the ones that didn't win this competition, 
you're going to see them in Hollywood. You're going to see them on Broadway. You're going to see them off on Off-Broadway. You're going to see them again. They're just that brilliant. So please go check that out. Again, it's called Giving Voice. The next thing I want, the next movie, this is a movie. It's called The United States um, versus Billie Holiday. Who I got to slow down for this one. This movie <sighs> with the, the beautiful Andre Day in it as Billie Holiday. It really, I didn't know this about Billie Holiday. I'm, I'm sad to say I never listened to Billie Holiday's music. I'm not a fan of her music. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just, she's, I did grow up on her. You know, it's not like my mom was like playing her music or something. Like I ne- I've heard of her, of course, obviously. Who hasn't heard of Billie Holiday? But I didn't, I, again, I have not listen to her music the song that the government was so in their up in arms about that she was singing was called strange fruit i thought that was nina simone's song i didn't know that was billy holiday's song so oh my gosh the mo- the, the 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 premise of the movie is that she was singing a song called strange fruit and she was singing before white audiences and the move that that song is about the lynching that was taking place in the South of black people and the government FBI included. And, um, they were, they, they felt like this was in in a sense, this was a terroristic song. This was an anti-government song. This song upset good white folk, this, you know, like all of this, but it's the, it was the truth. She wasn't singing a lie. She was (laughs) Lord. This movie will piss you off now. Let me tell you this. There are some inappropriate parts. There are some sex scenes that I had to fast forward that were not even necessary. It was not necessary to have sex scenes in this movie. The historical content was so rich and beautiful and it was so well written that that didn't even have to go in there. So you'll thank God it's on on Netflix. You, you're not going to see this on a big screen. So you can fast forward. You'll, you'll know when it's getting ready to, to turn left. You'll fast forward through that. I think it's a, probably about three times I had to fast forward, maybe four. But um, the movie was brilliantly done. It was beautifully done. It was, a, and and they they ultimately killed her. They the government ultimately killed her. They they preyed on her. She was addicted to drugs. She was drug addicted, and they preyed on that. You know, it was it it was such, and this is the government. The same government that killed our some of our civil rights leaders, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Stokely Carmichael, um, Megger Evers, um, and so many uh, nameless ones that we don't even know about. The same government, the same FBI, the same, you know, these same organizations, federal organizations that, that tapped their phones and um, sent infiltrators in. She, uh, They sent an infiltrator in to pretend that he was in love with her and he worked for the FBI the whole time and was giving back information about her and what she was doing and all this kind of, it's so telling and people, and <laughs> what, what pisses me off is that people will sit up and say, this isn't a racist country. The very fabric of this country is racist. There's racism in the ground and the, there's blood in the ground that speaks of the racism that happened to the, to the, the owner of that blood, the black people, the indigenous people, their blood are, are seeping through this land and the, the, the violence that happened to them and the, the structures that were created to keep the, the spirit of white supremacy 
elevated and the and pure and the goal and obtainment that the like whiteness is the obtain is what you should attain to. Oh, let me calm down. Let me let me calm it down. Let me bring it in because I want to get these things out. I didn't mean to get riled. <laughs> I did not mean to get riled, but it just pisses me off when people say this is not a racist country. It is not that I don't love this country. No, I don't want to move to anywhere else. But we got to say we got to be open and honest. We got to be honest about what's happened and and why people are why systems are still oppressing people you know you can go to these vote these these oppressive voting laws are, that are in Texas and Florida and Georgia and and in North Carolina and and all these other states that they're trying to in a sense just stop black people prevent black people from voting black people brown people indigenous anybody that they don't want cuz you speak through your vote and they don't want you to speak through your vote so they'll pass these laws that say, listen, it's illegal to give out water. But you know, people stand, people are standing in long lines to vote. And if I say, you know what, I'm going to go hand out pizza in water. They can arrest me if I did that in Georgia or Texas or Florida. You know, you know, it's illegal. It's, Lord, you got to have ID. People don't have ID. You know, you need to have you if you uh they're closing they they'll I'm sorry slow down they can close polls the one that's right down the street from your house they'll close it and you have to go all the way on the other side of town and how are you gonna get there you don't even have a car you know what I mean you don't have a car in some of these places and so man it's so much crap going on <sighs> it, it let me calm down <laughs> Lord. Uh, you know, it's just, it's so much over and over and over again. You know, the, it, I, I'm going to interject something like, like I haven't been already, but like the Chauvin case, like why do we even have to have a trial? We all saw that man murder, uh, brother George Floyd. We all saw that man callously murder this man. You know what I'm saying? We like, why was there even a trial, you know? And then he could possibly, it could possibly be a mistrial because one of the jurors with his Mm, so I'm not want to call. I don't want to call him out of his name, but they found that he he lied. And when they were when you know when you go to jury duty, they ask you certain questions. So they asked him, has he ever been in a Black Lives Matter rally or protest or whatever? He answered no. They later found a photo of him at a Black Lives Matter uh, <laughs> protest picture. He taking pictures with people, and so you know, his, of course, Chauvin's attorneys are trying to you know, get this treated as a mistrial and get get the, the verdict thrown out. That kind of stuff. Like, it's so much happening. Then, you you know, people have been shot back to back to back to back to back with police. And then gun violence in these inner cities with, you know, intercommunal crime is taken off. Like, it's crazy here in Philadelphia. The gun violence is, is the numbers are astronomical. Chicago, St. Louis, Miami, like, California. It's, 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 hmm. I don't even know Atlanta, you know, it's like the gun violence is like, what is happening? And so what I just speak to that spirit of murder, um, that is, that is going forth and permeating the minds of people in these cities where the gun violence is, the numbers are escalating. I take authority over you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I say, cease and desist in Jesus's name. And so listen, if you don't know, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. I'm a little feisty Christian. I love Jesus and I might cuss a little bit. But I... 
But listen, I yeah, you you that that was a that was a prayer of authority. I tried to take you know not tried. I took authority over this violence that's going on. If you're living in one of these cities and you're a believer, you need to take authority over the spirit of violence that's trying to take out the whole next generation. Man, babies are being murdered. And I know I'm all off topic. I'm supposed to be talking about documentaries right now, but I just I have to get say this one thing too. There are there are people that are saying whether it's social media or offline, they're saying, oh, when black people kill black people, there's no protest in the street. There's no this and there's no that. First of all, that's a lie. The me- Why would the media show you mothers against violence in, in some of these organizations, other organizations in these urban cities in Chicago, in Oakland, in St. Louis, in um, Atlanta in Miami, why would they show you these organizations that pro that do, they do protest? They protest. They have, um, they set up, they have stations where they say, please bring your guns. And they give them like food coupons or whatever. Um, they give them something in exchange for people turning in guns. They, they, pro, they, they march the streets. They go, they knock door to door. They try to get these young men into some type of skills training. They try to connect them with ex-gang members that are doing well in society now and they try to link them up and get them some type of mentor program so before you say oh there's no protest going on when the black person kills a black person that's a lie that is an absolute lie there's truce philadelphia here there is an organization in philadelphia called truce philly that they're they they are um training people to 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 go into hostile situations and negotiate truce a truce right here in the city they protest they go out to to where um when there's a gun like there was a gun violence at at a bus station here a few few months ago they protested like the next couple of the a few days after that they pro, they went out and protest the news will never tell you that they will a can they will not send not one anchor person to a protest on inner city violence they're not because why would they don't want to they don't want you to show they don't want to i'm sorry they don't want you to see that pe- black people do care that black people other black people are killing one another there are there are whole organizations out here that care and they're trying to do something about it but the media is not going to show you that so before you put your mouth to we we don't care when this happening to in our own communities why don't you google organ <laughs> inter intercity anti-violence organizations and you'll and, and then get involved Stop talking and get involved. Okay. Mm. All right. I'm sorry. I, I know I went off on the whole rabbit trail. I know it sounds like I'm angry, but I'm not. I'm just passionate. I'm just passionate. That's all. Okay. I digress. I digress. So the la- so that's the government. I mean, United States versus Billy Holiday. Please go check out that. That's a movie. That was dope. And the last one I want to talk about is going to be a little controversial. So you Christians, please, you know, buckle up, buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> it's called Grass is Greener. It's about it's a documentary about cannabis, the cannabis industry and racism in the cannabis industry. And you probably say, now wait, weed, marijuana, Mary Jane, uh, 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 uh what else they call it? Uh, ganja, uh, 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 loud, um, what else they call it? What else they call it? Uh, uh, I can't think of no other words, but y'all, that's, y'all know what I'm talking about. It, the book, the documentary is put on by Fab Five Freddy. If you don't remember him or know him, he did Yo MTV raps back in the day, back in the ni- late eighties, early nineties. Um, <clears throat> it was a, a, a rap, um, like a show, like a he played videos, rap videos back in the day. 
But his documentary, again, Grass is Greener. Of course, you know Snoop is in there. Snoop. Um, um, what's the group? Uh, House of Pain. They're in there. Uh, it's another rap group in there. Uh, I don't think Meth and Redman were in there. They should have been. <laughs> but anyway, the documentary is about this multi-million, soon-to-be multi-billion dollar industry called the cannabis industry. You, and you, if you don't know, most states, not, not most, in a lot of states, cannabis is, is legal. And so people are creating um, dispensaries. People are having, people have whole bakeries and food trucks around cannabis edibles and drinks and ointments and oils and tinctures and um, uh, what else? They have, people are cooking with cannabis. There's a whole, there's a, a cooking show, a cooking competition show on Netflix. Um, and people are actually cooking with cannabis. It's like, just like Chopped or any other food <laughs> food show, competition show you've seen on um, HGTV, it, you know. So cannabis is very popular. I'm, I don't smoke it. I, I don't um, promote it. My family smokes it. You know, I have family members that not my, like my whole family are not potheads. I'm saying some family members smoke, <laughs> smoke pot, smoke marijuana. Uh, but again, and so I try to get, because you, they are consumers, because black people are consumers of this product. They need to be um, producers. They need to be in the middle of this industry making money. And that was Fab Five's, Fab Five Freddy's um premise of this documentary he just he went all the way back to um when it first came into the country and you know how it made its way through hip-hop and how it started in like rock music and heavy metal music and country music and and the hippie you know the hippie during the time of the hippies and again hip-hop and then now and then now how it's like I said it's like almost a multi-billion dollar industry and he and so listen okay now I'm about to get back on my my pro-black rant because there are a lot of black people, men and women, that are still in jail today over some cannabis that they sold 10, 15 years ago. Still locked up, right? In some states, it's where it's, it, it is legal in other states, right? So shout out to states like California, New York, and they're, they're walking back these um, convictions. They're letting people out of prison. They are, you know, expunging their record. And, but then some states, they're like, no, you're going to stay right because it's not legal there. So you don't, you're going to stay right there. So it's crazy to me how this drug can be legal in some places, not legal in other places. And people are still locked up, but people are making billions of dollars from it. That like, wait, what? And so like him, I'm like, I, I want us to, yeah. The face of this industry is like most other industries are white males, and which is which is which is not right. And then and then people that are who are who have been out of jail for a minute from you know cannabis convictions, they can't get into the industry because they have felony on their records because their state has not expunged their record, so they can't even get into the industry. Um, and so then he went to. I don't want to tell the whole documentary. He went to um, a cannabis conference, like one of the major ones in the States. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was in California or Vegas. It was in one of the places. And so he started interviewing some of the people that had booths there. And this, he interviewed this white guy. And he was like, 
you know, so Fred, Fab asked him, he said, um, so what do you think about, you know, some of these guys getting out of jail and, you know, their records are being expunged and now they're able to get into, they may be able to get into the industry. And he was like, well, this is a professional industry. You know, these guys are criminals. So I, I don't, I don't think that they should be allowed in the industry. So I wanted to jump, when I tell you, I wanted to jump through that screen and just put both hands around his entire neck and be like, sir, sir. You are a, a whole legal dope dealer out here. Please stop. Stop acting like you the 10th man at Google. You're not even the 10th man at Google. You're not even the third man at AT&T. You are a legal drug dealer, dude. What are you talking about? How, sir? You know how, the, the caucasity of it all. Sir, if you don't sit your, your I almost said sit your pale self down. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not right. <laughs> Sir, if you don't sit your behind down, they have everybody. Did, did you go get a degree? Do you have a Bachelor of Science in Cannabis? I don't think so. They have every bit of a right to be in this industry as you do. They know just, they smoke it just like you smoke it. They know uh, leaves and texture and, and and grain. They know all that stuff just like you do. They can learn it. Y'all probably be like, well, how do you know? <laughs> I do not smoke. I told y'all about family. I got a lot of family members that smoke it. I got a couple of family members that grow it. All right? And I live in a building that you would think that I smoke it because it'd be so thick in this daggone building. I know I got second. I get secondhand high. I'm pretty sure I've been high a couple of days straight because it's so thick in this building. Butts around. I do not smoke it. I do, I do not roll blunts. I do not. I do not. I do not puff, puff, pass. None of that. Okay? Um, but I'm saying, if you do, if you listen to this podcast and you are a consumer of cannabis, you need to invest in stock, invest in cannabis stock. You can invest in it right off of your, your cash app. Find the, the, the best cannabis stock. Um, if you don't know a guy, young man, a brother, young brother out of New Orleans named Young Trapper, Trapper Wall, Wall Street Trapper, young black dude out of, out of New Orleans, killing the game, teaching young black men and women how to get into stock. He talks just he talks he's very new orleans so you can get that new orleans slang you know and so he's on instagram youtube he got a his own youtube channel but he talks about all kind of stock not just cannabis every kind of stock um and he breaks it down into simple terms so if you want to learn he and he he i want to say he gave a whole live about cannabis stocks a few months ago but if you are a consumer stop just being stop just sitting in your living room getting high that's that's the lowest thing you could do. Go figure out if your if it's legal in your state, go buy you some land. Go buy you a plot of land somewhere. And 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 get you, figure out whatever license you need through the state to be a a grower, whether you're going to grow medical grow for medical use cuz it's for some states it's not legal for um um personal consumption, but it's legal for medical consumption like my state Alabama it's legal for medical use only so if you in Alabama go buy your butt some land and grow because guess what they got to get it from somewhere they might as well get it from you figure figure out the law don't break the law call whatever uh state organization state state department that you need to call to get the legalities of growing marijuana and being an official grower for your state you know, but don't just sit, like I said, don't just sit in your living room getting high at three or four in the morning, eating a hundred bags of potato chips. Get into this industry, man. There's going to be a, a cannabis conference in um, 
Jackson, Mississippi in like September, just Google it. Cannabis conference in Jackson, Mississippi. And it's going to be workshops on how to get into the industry. Um, it's going to be a trade show afterwards. Educate yourself. Educate. You already smoking it. You might as well make money from it. You might as well get be a legal businessman. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop just killing your brain cells. I don't like marijuana because to me, it makes people slow and dumb. And I know that's not true, but I just, I don't like, I don't, I don't like what it does to people. People that I know. I'm like, what? Like, bruh. So I, that's why I, like I said, but if you are a consumer, a consumer of it, you need to be in the, 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 the money making on the money making side of it and stop just killing your brain cells. I'm sorry. I digress. <laughs> but yeah, again, the, the documentary is called grass is greener and it is on Netflix. And so I've been talking for a minute, so we're going to take, I'm going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into environmental justice. All right. Be right back. This episode is brought to you by Inform, Inspire, and Celebrate. What is that you say? That's my brand of activity books and apparel and card games that do just that. Inform, Inspire, and Celebrate Jesus, Black Girls, and Black Women. Okay? And so you can log on to my website, www.ortandia.com. That's O-R-T-A-N-D-I-A.com. And order yourself one of my activity books, Do You Know Your Bible?, the other one is Abigail's Entrepreneurship Workbook and my very first card game, I Love You, a card game for married couples. Go ahead and order yourself all of those things today. Loud whispering, you whispering loud, hey. Loud whispering, you whispering loud, hey. You're killing the vibe. Hey, yo, that's my brother, Atiba Halisi. You can buy this, order this song on Spotify and anywhere else you can buy music where you download your music. The name of the song is called Loud Whispering. His name is spelled A-T-I-B-A-H-A-L-I-S-I. Shout out to you, Atiba Halisi. But yo, this segment, I'm going to get riled because it's on environmental justice, environmental racism. Now, I'm going to give you... I would give you my definition, but my definition, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm going to give you the dick, the dick, the dick, the but what I'm give you the, the internet. I can't talk. I'm so riled already. I ain't even talked to you. I ain't even said nothing yet. Hold on. I'm going to give you the, the internet's definition of environmental racism. And then I'm going to, environmental racism is a concept. In the environmental justice movement, which developed in the United States throughout the 70s and 80s, the term is used to describe environmental injustice that occurs within a racialized context, both in practice and policy. Translation, you have government in partnership with pollutant, polluting, pollutant-ridden companies that dump products where there are indigenous folk, black folk, brown folk, and they are not fined. They don't have to clean up the water. They don't have to clean up the air. There, you have these this type of 
crap going on and our babies are getting sick. Our babies are ingesting water that is unhealthy for them. Our people are living amongst waste, human waste, and toxins are seeping in their soil. So they're... Okay, I'm, I'm trying to I pause because I need to take a breath because I feel my I feel my, my heart race racing. So that's what that is. I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to give you some examples. Because I don't want you to think that I, it's just me talking. <sighs> okay. And this is from Ben Crump. Y'all know Ben Crump. He's one of the... Uh, Flint is an example. Y'all, everybody know about Flint water. Okay. I'm going to give you another one. In West New York, New Jersey, there is a case where the local government may have created unsafe drinking water conditions that disproportionately affect children. Test results showed that water contamination may lead, I'm sorry, that water contamination by lead levels was so high that it may have been one of the most severe cases in the last several decades. Legal action is being taken against the local government who is responsible for maintaining water systems and water quality standards. If financial compensation is recovered, it should go to helping children, child victims improve their health and make a full recovery. Okay. Let's see where else I'm gonna give you another, cause y'all think I just be talking. I'm gonna give you another example. Lord and Miss Claudia, Lord and Miss Claudia. Hold on y'all. Y'all, I'm gonna get, I got to get my Google finger to working. Get it to working, honey. Let's see. And it's not just Aaron Brockovich. It didn't, all of a sudden, it, <laughs> companies didn't stop polluting because that, 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 that little white woman was on a movie, doing, you know, getting people to, to stop dumping in these communities. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm a child. Whew. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting riled. I'm getting riled. Let me get you some some more examples. Hold on. Okay. Here in Chicago, well, uh, well, I say here in Chicago. I don't live there. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Hold on. Give me a minute. This is Miss um, Cheryl Johnson. I grew up in Outjed Gardens, a housing project on the far south side in Chicago that was originally built for black World War II veterans. In 1969, my father died from lung cancer at the age of 41. And my mother, Miss Hazel Johnson, started wondering why so many people in the area have died of cancer. She started doing research. She learned that the south side had the highest incidence of cancer than any other area in Chicago. She wanted to know why a lot of people had asthma and other health problems. She learned that our area had 50 documented landfills, hundreds of hazardous waste sites, and leaking underground storage tanks. And all around us, we had industry that constantly emitted air pollution. My mom called our community the toxic donut because we were completely surrounded. In 1979, she found people for the community people for community recovery to raise environmental awareness and help local people impacted by pollution. And that young lady is still working in that organization because that that community is still being polluted. And it's 2021. Okay? So, why am I bringing this up? I was listening to a podcast and I didn't, I couldn't link the two together. Because 
just keeping it real, when I heard of environmental justice or save the air, save the water, I thought of these tree-hugging white people. Honest to goodness, I, I never thought of, of how this impacted black people. Never, never even crossed my mind. Um, never crossed my mind, right? Never crossed my mind. N- not realizing that I grew up in, in subsidized housing that had lead paint everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That um, not even 30 minutes from where I grew up in, in Lowndes County, Alabama, and um, um, in some of the other areas, people are living in, in human waste, not even realizing not th- that these people don't even have a, a indoor plumbing and, and a septic system not just totally oblivious of all of these things. And so I was listening to this podcast last week and this doctor, she put it all in, into in perspective. She said, um, everything can be connected back to the environment. She said, you know, why is violence? She said, for example, there are, there's violence in, um, she said, there are statistics that show during the summer months, violence escal- escalates. Because it's warmer, it's hot, you know, people don't generally have, um, in, in the communities that we live in, we don't have central air. You know, some of the communities that some of our urban brothers and sisters and some of our rural brothers and sisters live in, they don't have central air. They live in older homes. And if they do have window units, the air is still seeping out. So the, the unit is it the apartment or the home isn't getting that cool. And so these people, they, they, so they're frustrated, it's hot. And that impacts you mentally. She was like, that impacts you mentally. And so what do you do? You release that anger and frustration on the person closest and nearest to you, whether that be someone in your home or someone in your community. You're easily angered and agitated at the smallest little thing, right? And and I was like, oh, you know, and then she was like, well, then you have kids, you have our babies you, they can't drink some of the water that we have that they that the city is providing because it's unsafe, and so there these kids are hydrated. Or, I'm sorry, these kids are dehydrated, and it's hard to go to school and think and learn when you are dehydrated because you you can't drink the water, so you're drinking a lot of juices and sodas and and all of that. And she just broke it down so beautifully, and I was like, oh, what? Never drew a connection to some of the things that. My brothers and sisters are, are the, the, some of the fruit or the output of their life never drew a connection to that with environmental things going on in their, in our communities. And so <sighs> there's a new word that I learned concerning this. I had never heard this word before. It's called climate gentrification. And I almost when I saw that, I said, what in the entire world does that mean? Had to look it up and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the internet's definition, and then I'm gonna give you your Tandy definition, okay? Um, and then where it's being impacted the most. So the internet de- definition is this. Uh, this is a bootleg je- je- uh, definition. It says. Um, Climate gentrification, a growing concept in which some properties become more valuable than others due to their ability to accommodate settlement and infrastructure in the face of climate change. In some cases, such as in Miami, these preparation efforts have a spurred what has been coined climate gentrification. The term describes the process of wealthier, often white, 
populations moving to areas less exposed to the effects of climate change that were previously occupied by lower income residents. That's the better definition right there. So this is happening in Miami-Dade County. And this is also happening in like, like places like New Orleans, right? So you have place, you have places, you have the shore, the shore of Miami-Dade County and which is below sea level. So it's easier to flood the shore, the shore of Miami. So you have right now, you have a lot of white people that live there and you have black people in Miami-Dade County that live in these communities that are above sea level, that are more inland and th- these places, these communities have been, they've lived in these communities forever, like Little Haiti and some places like that. They've lived here for, gen- they've lived in those communities for, gen- for generations. And um, they'll, they're more protected against flooding, again, because they are above sea level. And so these communities have culture, have, you know, I think it's called, it's another one called Little Dominican Republic or Little, Little something. I know there's a Little Haiti in Miami. But there's a lot of cultural groups in hate in Miami. I'm sorry, and so these places that are more inland, they it's rich in culture. These, like I said, these people have lived here for lived there forever, and so the white people from the shore from the shore of Miami, they're moving more inland, and again they're right because they they don't want to be flooded out. So they when they move into places like Little Haiti. They run the prices up. The prices the the prices of homes and every taxes go up. And then these people, they can't afford to live there. The people that have lived there for decades. So guess where they have to go? They have to go to the shore communities, to the to more inland, air, to the more, not inland, to the more shore, to the areas closer to the shore where they can be now easily. If their hurricane come and they're flooded out, these people can be killed, you know, can die, you know, in the hurricane. And so they call this climate gentrification. And I'm like, I know you lying. I know you I know you lying. I was, I had never heard of that before. I was like, wait. And I'm like, here we go. Here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. <sighs> I promise you, I don't hate white people. I really don't. Because, I, you know, I believe we're all, not that I believe. It's fact that God made us all in his image and likeness. It's not up for my belief or not belief. That's, that is fact. Um, And so... And we, we all have different, he made us all different, black, white, Asian, um, you know, indigenous, whatever your ethnic or cultural, not culture, your ethnic or race is, God made us different. And there will be, according to Revelations and according to Acts 2, there are a multitude of ethnic groups and cultures and tongues and tribes that will be praising and worshiping God. That's in Revelations and Acts 2, that was present when, you know, Peter gave a call, shared the gospel and people were speaking in all kinds of languages and tongues. And people were, people were like, hold up now. They, that's my language. They speaking in my, go to Acts chapter two. It, so before you get to revelations, all terror, all tongues and tribes was kicking it in Acts two, two. Okay. All right. And so, but yeah, I, I don't, like I said, I still have to say, I don't hate white people. I hate white supremacy. That's what I hate. And I hate when white people try to act like white supremacy doesn't exist. Try to act like they don't benefit from the very idea of white supremacy. When they don't speak out against that spirit, 
it's, it's, it's pretty much a spirit. It's a spirit that makes them lunatics, that makes them think that they are better than... <laughs> I'm sorry. It is... Oh, Lord. Calm down, Chandy. Just, Just talk. Just talk. Just talk. You know, it's like... I, that's what gets me upset. It's when white people act like they don't understand what's what oppressed people or what people that are being oppressed are going through. It's like when they hmm, how do how can I put this? Like there's not a white person on this planet that does not benefit from white supremacy. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you say you love Jesus. I just love Jesus. That's great. Wonderful. And we will celebrate in heaven together. But you benefit from white supremacy. You do. Trace your family line all the way back and see how many of my people, your people owned, how many of indigenous folk, your people brutalized, murdered. Okay? Let's not act fly. Don't that that was that's what pissed me off about some white people. You acting fly like you just boom. You just the greatest. Like you didn't. You're not where you are because of the the foulness that your ancestors did. <sighs> yes, I believe in allyship. Absolutely, that some white people are not for this. They are not. They you will not treat. They do not allow you to treat them special because they white. They will check you. They don't get down like that. They are, they stand up for oppressed people. They stand up, they stand out against injustices. Shout out to you. Rachel Dolezal is not one of the people. That chick is, got some issues. Now, I don't even know how I got there, but I, I leave her alone. <laughs> but there are some white allies out there. But I'm talking to y'all, to, to those who act like that. They don't know, understand what's going on. Like you don't understand, like they don't. They don't, they, there are some, they don't even get what happened to George Floyd. Like if he would have just complied, are you high? You do see that man got his, his knee pressed down on that man's neck where his whole esophagus is pressed into the concrete. Comply. You do see it's like three other officers holding him down. What do you like? That's, that's the kind, that's the kind of stuff that gets me. And so I have to child i don't got got off topic let me let me let me reel it back in i'm sorry that's not what this episode is about <laughs> I, look i just just we got to just, just mm, i digress so i learned a new time i'm gonna because i'm, I'm getting the more i talk the pissed off i'm more pissed off i get so let me get bring let me bring it back on topic i learned that term climate gentrification if you are in an area where climate gentrification is happening to you, uh, I would suggest that you find organizations that are fighting against that, that are, um, yeah, that are doing the work. There, There's always an organization in your community, in your neighborhood, in your city, that's fighting against something that you may be being impacted by. I would suggest, instead of trying to create your own thing, find these organizations. And if their vision and mission is something that you can, you can connect with, you can support, um, then join alongside of them, um, and just, and help, you know what I mean? Just help. And like I said, in many, like, like I said, in podcasts last year, it's not for everybody to protest and run out and, 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 and 
put put up signs and, and march down highways. That's not for everybody. So like some people can sign petitions. I sign a lot of petitions. Um, some people can call DA offices and police chiefs offices and say, hey, you need to, what are you doing about X, Y, and Z? Some people are, are great with research. There are organizations like um, Campaign Zero that they're trying to, they need researchers. They, they're, they're trying to research every police contract in the state, in, in every state. Um, and and they're, cause they're trying to create, um, some statistical information on how their budget increase has not (laughs) decreased their killing of folk. So if you are a numbers person, there are organizations that need your help. Um, there's so many different, unfortunately, violations against humanity in this country. You can join alongside something. If it's food, you know, if you know you you're disheartened that people don't have food, and you you live in an urban city or a rural city, and teach people how to grow food. Find an organization that's teaching people how to grow food in their kitchen, how to grow food in their refrigerator, on their countertops, in their windowsill, and then spread that information to to people so that people can eat eat well. You know what I mean? Whatever that thing is for you, that that gets you riled up, figure it out. Google it. Find an organization. Support them. Do what you need to do. Because, yeah, we all live here. We we all live here. You know what I mean? So we we got to find that. We got to turn injustices around in our generation for the next generation. You know what I'm saying? I don't have no kids. Don't want none. But I got nieces and nephews. You know what I'm saying? I got great nieces and great nephews. I don't want them to. I don't want none of my, my great nephew to have a police officer put his foot in his knee in his neck. I don't want that to be cool. I don't I want that to be illegal right now. And, and <laughs> so by the time he gets older, that'll, that's not even a, that's not even a thing that police officers think about, think to do, you know? And so, yeah, um, what I was supposed to be talking about on this segment <laughs> with environmental justice is about green jobs. I wanted to talk about, you know, the importance of us getting in another industry that we are not we are underrepresented in our green, green, the green, the green industry and jobs like, um, jobs like solar panels and, and, and installing solar, solar panels, jobs like, um, I may have said this before, but land surveyors, I may have said that in, in the last podcast, but land surveyors, jobs like a wind, windmill or wind, I think it's called wind turbine techs, um, where they, they do install, you know, you ever seen like a windmill in like rural, rural, ur- I was about to say urban areas. You ain't gonna find no windmill in no urban area. <laughs> in rural areas, somebody has to put those up. Stuff like that. Stuff like um, um, aquaponics where you grow produce in, from fish and fish waste and vertical gardening, getting involved with vertical gardening. And that's where you grow plants upward. You know, you buy a warehouse, get it, um, fitted for um, vertical gardening and man you can change the food system in your whole community you know and stuff like like those kinds of I'm gonna get let me google I want I want to tell you about some more green jobs that you don't have to have a bachelor's degree in you know you just need a high school diploma and maybe some some certification training but hold on one second um green jobs without a degree let's see Let's see what you got here, buddy. 
There's something called ecotourism, God. Um, let's see. Eco-travel companies have different missions from using carbon-neutral operations to promoting environmental awareness. All offer fun and adventurous tours. That's pretty cool. A forest worker. If you love to be outdoors and want to improve the health of of the forest, you may be an ideal candidate for a role as a forest and conservation worker. Let's see. An alternative fuel vehicle salesperson, like someone that sells Teslas and some of the other electronic cars that are out there a fisherman we talked about aquaponics um a green construction worker you want to using you know um, eco-friendly products to build homes build commercial facilities uh what, what else do we have a farmer or an agricultural worker animal breeder, a greenhouse technician, a safety inspector, a recycling coordinator, or just some of the other, some of the green jobs that you don't need a a college degree in. And just look it up. What I would suggest, like what is, what is, what are the top paying ones? If you're, if you're interested in that, like just Google top paying green jobs without a college degree and see, see if any of them spark your interest. But we need to be in those industries because the environment impacts us the most. We're living in areas where the environment is killing us. So we need, again, we need to be in those industries so that we can change our own community. So that if you are a green construction um, company, you can come in and remodel the homes in these urban communities and change them. Get the lead paint out and replace it and get the, the piping out and take these radiators out. That's emitting all this excessive heat. Just you, yeah, you could do so much for your very own community. You can take that black tar off the row homes, the, the, the rules of row homes that's emitting so much um, pollution into the environment and change it into a white coat painting on the roofs of these urban, like Baltimore and Philadelphia and some of the other urban cities that have row homes. That black paint needs to come off the roof, period. It needs to be white paint, white coating. And so, even if you're a painter, like, just look that up. Painting row homes, roofs white. And what, how do you, how do you get into, how do you get into that? How can you get a contract with the city? If you're in Baltimore, if you're in D.C., if you're in Philadelphia, how can you get a contract with the city to change that, to paint over that, to making it safer for people that live in North Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, where, you know, various areas in Baltimore, et cetera. Okay, I need to take another break, honey, because I don't I don't talk so much. I don't got riled. And this is the last break. We're gonna get a word from our one of our from our sponsor, and then I'm gonna come back with money minute. All right. All right, y'all. Last segment. This is money. Minute and hopefully I can get this done in 60 seconds because last time I ran over. Okay. So if you are in an industry where they people, the professionals in your industry have to get continual education courses, whether you are a teacher, a nurse, um, whether you're in a diversity position, whether you're in training and development, whether you are a recruiter, you're in human resources, a doctor, a social worker, a mental health, a licensed practitioner, <coughs> excuse me any of those fields, and people have to get continual education courses, CE courses, 
Why aren't you the one writing some of those courses? Answer, riddle me that. Why aren't you creating those courses? All you, you need to find, all you need to do, you don't have a reason. You don't have an answer. You're like, I don't know. What you need to do is find out what are the accrediting organizations that say, hey, this course is a, can be a CE course. Find those organizations. Find out what the requirements are to, to get accredited. What does the course have to look like? What does the course have to, what are the, what are, what are the goals of the course have to be? What are the outcomes um, of that course have to be? Find out all of that information and guess and find and create and then create the course. Don't just say, "Oh, that that was nice information." No, create the course, submit it to these organiz- to the accrediting organization and some of the other places. So, if you're, for instance, if you are chief HR, you have to do CE courses. I'm pretty sure. Create a, a course about returning to work after a pandemic or working from home during a pandemic or engaging with remote workers during a pandemic, create the course, submit it to SHRM, get it accredited, submit it to SHRM, let people go on and and take your course. Most organizations, if you have to take a CE course, they will reimburse you for it, for paying for it out of pocket, or they will pay for it for you. And get your bread. Don't let the same people that are making these courses be the same people that are making these courses. No, you make a course, make multiple courses. And this can be a wonderful side hustle for you. I learned about this. Um, It's not my money in a minute. I didn't create it. I learned about it from another podcast. This gentleman was saying, hey, there's an ER nurse. She created a continual education course for uh, called Spanish Terms for ER Doctors. And that course, it took her two years to get it accredited. And now she's making $50,000 a year off of that course. And she's still a nurse. So she's making, she getting paid. I said, all that to say, do it. I'm so you, I'm, I'm, I learned it. So, and now I'm sharing it with you. So that's your money in a minute. Actually it was money in three minutes. Cause I went over, but that's okay. It's my podcast. I do what I want to do. And like I always say, y'all, I want to see you in heaven with me and I'm out.